0: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to Cashflow Guys Podcast. If this is your first time here, my name is Tyler Sheff and I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you're used to listening on YouTube, this episode's going to be different. I'm trying something different. I'm actually recording the video as I talk to you. So I've got my, I'm keeping it simple. I got my iPhone in front of me on a tripod. A lot of you guys are wondering, where, where am I from time to time? What am I up to? What am I doing? So I thought, what the hell? I'll give you a little taste of what goes on in my world, the day in the life of the cash flow guy type of thing. Uh, so if you're listening to this not on YouTube and you want to see what, see my smiling, pretty, unshaven face, uh, sitting over here in Cedar Key out of my, my property out in the woods, you can, uh, you, you can see a visual rendition of the podcast, which is something new we're trying. And it's uh, something that was recommended by, recommended to me by friends of mine in a, uh, a mastermind group that I'm part of. And uh, I think it's a good idea, and we're going to give it a shot and go from there. So let's kick off, shall we? This one's going to be a little rough, guys, because I'm not used to having the camera in front of me. So it's a little bit distracting. So if I don't look at the camera, well, just be under, be under of the understanding that I've been doing this for five years every week, never once done it on camera. That said, I am not camera shy, just not used to recording the show uh with a camera in front of me. So you're gonna see uh kind of like the over the shoulder look on what it what I do every week when I record the show. Uh this week, guys, we're gonna be talking about how to fail for sure, right? And you might be thinking, well, I guess the best way to ensure success is to know what failures, what common failures anyway come up. And there's some things that have happened in recent weeks that I've seen people do that I thought, you know, that's not going to work out as well as they think. So I thought, let's take this episode to point out a couple of these things so you guys can avoid these pitfalls. It's my goal to try to keep you guys from the drama that most people, that a lot of people have to deal with. And that's why we point these things out. Right. So. Just kind of keep in mind that this is one of those things where we're going to listen to what's happened with other situations, and then we're going to learn from them, right? Let's talk about uh, the how to fail, the most common things that people do to fail, and that begins with not making offers. That's right. Here's the phenomenon. I have a listing right now. It's a foreclosure I put on the market, and in this case, I am the listing agent, and I'm representing. The bank. The bank has certain regulations. When I deal with sellers, they have certain things they want and rules they want and things that are uh, of concern or things they want to address. And it's my job to respect the boundaries, right? I want to make sure I do what my client is asking. And in some cases, there are things that my client probably should ask. So when I work with a seller that's not sophisticated, I will explain to them the psychology behind uh, buying and selling and how bad habits of realtors can cost sellers tens of thousands of of dollars. So what do I mean by that? Well, it's going on literally today. So today I did my Tiki Man Radio show. It's uh, TikiManRadio.com every Wednesdays at noon from 12 to 2. Uh, we call it, it's the Barefoot Brokers, the Key West uh, Connection Show on TikiManRadio.com. If you want to listen to that, you can just go to TikiManRadio.com tiki man on wednesdays and you can tune into the show it's done live and uh my my partner rob bond my business one of my business partners is on the show with me see when you're on video you can't see there's like a mosquito on me and a fly on my forehead uh now on you that i'm on video i should say you can see this is what's going on and at the same time of course my phone's blowing up and, and people are texting me and this is highly distracting but we're gonna get through this episode anyway and knock this out but as i'd said uh the number one way to fail is to not make offers. What do I mean by that? Well, every time I list a property, there is a certain number of agents that will, that will always ask the question, are there any offers on the table? That is a silly question because here's why it's a silly question. I know why you want to know the answer to the question. There's two reasons. One, if there are other offers, you're going to tell your buyer to just forget it and go on to the next property. Uh, ding, ding, ding. It's called the seller's market. And the market's hot. And if you got a property priced right, which is the way I do it and you pay well, which I do, then a lot of people are going to be interested in the property. So the obvious answer is if it's just hit the market, there's probably offers. So don't even waste your time answering the question. The reason why I don't answer that question is I know lazy agents will not take the time to write an offer seven times out of 10. If they know another, if they know another offer is already on the table, um, so I just don't answer the question, and sometimes they get pissed off, and they don't write an offer anyway. Well, you know, tough shit is the way I look at it. If if you're that, if you're that lazy that you're not willing to write an offer for your buyer, and uh, get your hat in the ring, then maybe you shouldn't be representing that buyer. And I'll turn you over to one of my buyers agents, and they'll help your client. F- you know, for you, you won't get the commission, of course, but you know, it is what it is. So here's the thing, guys: if you want to buy something, it all begins with putting in an offer. You got to write an offer. I don't care if there's another offer on the table. When I'm representing a buyer, I don't care if there's a 100 offers on the table. Let's get on the phone and have a conversation. Talk to the listing agent. Talk to the wholesaler, whoever it is. It's not always about the best price. I remember a couple of years ago, I was interviewing Amanda Young, a good friend of mine in Spring Hill. She's a real estate investor. And I can tell you that more often than not, it's happened to her. It's happened to me. I'm not the highest offer. I'm not even close to the highest offer, but I'm the most likely to close. She's the most likely to close. I have had sellers and she has too, have had sellers turn down cash offers for my seller financing offers. And my seller financing offer was lower than the cash offer. But the difference was, is that the seller financing element made the difference for them because they had now they have a structure, a structured stream of payments. Believe it or not, a pile of cash for some folks is stressful. It's people that are used to being on a monthly budget, that could be a stressful thing. So. When somebody presents them an offer, even if it's less money, because they don't necessarily think it all the way through, and less money doesn't mean so much to them as getting those monthly payments. For example, uh, Jill manages several of our businesses. I manage the the other businesses we have. I manage the businesses that generate piles, the realtor thing. When we flip stuff, arbitrage, whatever, that's what I manage. Jill manages the things like our notes and our, uh, we own mortgages and things like that. People who has monthly payments, our long-term rentals, our short-term rentals, where those generate monthly repeated income, that's the stuff that Jill gravitates to. She likes that regular income. I do too, but I thrive off of the thrill of the hunt, right? I love being on commission and I love it when I get a big payday. This week, I've had three listings closed this week. Been a good week for me. That means I've made the equivalent of a year's income. I have made more than a year's income in one week. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I had it a couple of closings a few weeks ago. Uh, a couple of months ago, I had more closings and I got more listings coming up. So it's busy, busy, busy. It's great. But here's the thing if you're one of these realtors that ask the question, are there other offers on the table? You are doing your buyer a disservice. And if you're a buyer, who cares if there's other offers on the table? You can't buy based on what someone else is doing. I know you're like, but Tyler, the market's hot. No, my God, I'm going to stop it. Just stop it. Monkey see, monkey do has never gotten anybody anywhere ever in history. So just don't get sucked into that. If you're working with an agent that like, they won't tell me if there's offers on the table or not. The first thing I, the next thing I would do is I would fire that agent. I'd be like, dude, you suck at this. I want somebody that can actually represent my needs. Okay. So just can them say, you know what? This isn't going to work for us. Have a good day. You got to go. Uh, don't let the door hit you in the ass. Right. That with that said, the whole don't, you know, do the, is there offers on the table? Don't not make an offer. Don't judge a book by its cover. Oh, that's, that's just overpriced. Well, no, duh. When have you ever seen a property underpriced? It doesn't exist. That's not even a phenomenon. And there's no such thing as an underpriced property. If there's an underpriced property, something is catastrophically wrong with it. Probably. Or the realtor is just completely dense. Now, I know realtors are mostly dense, but they're not that dense. We got to stop saying it's overpriced. We got to stop using price as a reason to not make an offer. Make an offer anyway. Ask them, why are they selling? What are they going to do with the money? These are the things that people, that you need to know so that you can write an offer that makes sense. John, why is it still on the market? Well, it's only been on the market for two days. I'm surprised it hasn't sold already. Anything I should know that would keep it from selling. What wouldn't I like about this property? What would keep you from buying the property, John? John, I'm curious, when you sell, what are you going to do? Are you going to like go on vacation? Are you going to pay off of your other house? Are you buying an RV for you and your wife to travel the country? What are you doing? When you say it with enthusiasm, then they're going to be inclined to answer, right? They're going to be like, you oh, know, yeah, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Europe and I'm gonna buy a, a Cessna that I can fly around the country with my wife in, and it'll be great. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, then off we go to the races. Another way you can fail is to hire a realtor to represent you that sends offers out without calling to follow up on them. Okay, uh, this happens all the time. I've got a bunch of offers that come in in the last week or so on different deals that I've got working that the agents, I've never heard from them at all. I don't even know how to reach them. Okay, uh, I have one. The guy's name is John Smith. John Smith, if you're out there, that's a real guy. John Smith works for Keller Williams. Okay. So the most common name works for one of the largest real estate brokerages in the country. And I don't have a phone number for this guy. All I have is an email and it's kickback that his box is full. So I can't even reach the guy to have questions about his offer because the box is full. It's like, what's with that? See this whole video thing? a Skeeter just flying around the camera. That's distracting. Anyway, squirrel. Um, <laughs> so realtors send in offers just like, throw them out there like throwing a football across the yard and they don't ever follow up to see if it's even landed or somebody's received it. And there have been times, guys, because let's be honest, I'm human. I found out a week later that their offer went to the spam folder. And you know what? I don't check my spam every hour. I just don't. Uh, So that said, what do you do? You're all, you're, you just wasted your time writing the offer. Your buyer's never going to get their offer presented because you didn't follow up to make sure it actually wound up in the inbox. That's dumb. So that's a great way to fail. If you want to fail buying real estate, do that. Hire an agent that does not call, does not verify the offer's been received. Another way you can fail is to ignore or pay too much attention to comparable sales. Here's what I mean. Now, this is a loaded statement, so to speak. Um, for me, comparables tell a story of what other people have done. But if everyone else is an idiot, then maybe comparables don't make much sense to me. What do I mean by that? So let's say I go to a neighborhood and I'm going to buy a two bedroom, one bath house for $200,000, right? And I look on the market and everybody else has paid two fifty. So if I make my offer based on what everybody else has paid, I'm going to overpay for that property by $50,000 because of what everybody else has paid. I haven't taken out the fact that the property I'm looking at needs a new roof and that new roof is $15,000. It needs floor coverings. It needs a new countertop. It needs $30,000, $40,000 worth of work. I'm going to overpay for the property and still have the work to do because I paid attention to comparables. With that said, if your ding dong realtor sends you comparables and doesn't talk about repairs, that's called a clue. They don't know what the heck they're doing or they have commission breath. Commission breath is a bad thing. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll know that I'm wagging my finger at you. If you listen to this podcast audibly, well, you're not going to get that effect. I guess I told you I was, but maybe I'm lying. You should go on YouTube, go to the Cashflow Guys YouTube channel and check it out. By the way, guys, if you like this format, uh, give it a thumbs up. Drop a comment. If you're on YouTube, drop a comment. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, positive comments only. I will attack you vehemently if you try to be a dick on, on YouTube. I'm not the guy that just deletes your comments. I'll actually hunt you down and, you know, tell your kids lies later in life. You know, how much of a big fat loser head you were because you were stalking people on YouTube. Just kidding. Not really. Anyway, sales tell a story of what people have already done. It doesn't have any indication, in my opinion, of market value. Market value is, to me, I'm buying properties for income, for cash flow. So I want to know, does the property cash flow? I'm, guarantee you in any market, if you're buying income property, most people don't even look at comparables and do comparables even matter for income property. No, what matters is how much can I rent it for? What do I have to do to get it to that point to actually rent that for that much? That's what matters. If everybody else paid 200,000, $250,000 for a house, right? That only rents for $500 a month. That's called a bad deal guys. Bad deal. Um, and if you have to put $150,000 in it to make it cash flow, to make it rent for $3,000 a month, still a bad deal because the return on that is ridiculous. You're going to shell out $350,000 and then have to wait for all that to happen and hope you got it right. That could be a very bad deal. So you got to do all that math. Um, and you can't just improve your way to higher rent because if you spend $350,000 on a single family house and happens to be in the middle of podunk nowhere or in the hood, well, then you're going to have a problem on your hands, right? You're going to have a big problem on your hands. You're going to overpay for the property. It's not going to get a tenant. You're going to be sitting there in an empty apartment going, I wonder why nobody will come pay me $3,500 a month. The answer is because you bought a property in the hood or you're out in the country and the people out there can't, they don't make enough money to do that. Maybe you're in a farming community where everybody works at a local farm and, you know, they're making, the people making 20, 30 grand a year. They're never going to be able to afford $3,500 rent, which brings me to another failure point. Be careful to over assume what rents can, what how a property can perform in this regard. I'm seeing syndications do this all the time. We're going to buy this apartment building for $5 million or $10 million. We're going to change the countertops. We're going to change the sign out front, come up with some snappy name, and then we're going to double the rents. Well, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, who's going to pay those rents? Not the people living there. So you have to flush out the old tenants. Okay. That means you're going to have vacancy loss. So when you're looking at their pro forma, if you don't see big time year one vacancy loss, then they're not giving you all the information or they're not competent. Maybe they overlook that part. But, uh, when people move out, the rent goes with them. I hate to tell you. And it takes a while to turn these apartments. So it's hard to get big rent increases unless you make major changes to an area. Like, let's say, for example, if you've got a place that currently is just a ugly building and has no playground, no pool, parking lots, dirt, whatever. Yes, you can buy that, you can put a swimming pool in, you can make it pretty outside, you can add free high-speed internet, and over the course of a year or so, you can lease it back up and probably get pretty healthy rent increases, but that depends on the local economy. That doesn't work in every single market, okay? If you're in a rural community or out in the middle of Podunk, that's not necessarily going to happen, so don't get yourself caught up in that, okay? Uh Next thing you can do to fail when you're, when you're buying real estate is to work with a national lender who's on salary. Fact. I like working with mortgage brokers. Mortgage brokers are on commission. You guys have heard me say this before. Uh, when people are on commission, they're more inclined to work. Right now I'm dealing with, I got three closings happening right now today and every one of them is delayed because every one of them has a mortgage involved and it's, it's in every case, it's some hourly cubicle dweller that's holding up. Oh, th- this is not dated. I'm like its electronic signature it has a date baked into it. Now it has to be dated over here in line 7. It's like th- th- you don't tell the seller what to date what not to date. I mean, what are you doing? But that's the kind of stuff that drags on. I got one seller, God love him, he's trying to have a vacation, trying to have a good time. He's out with his wife, he's out in nature, and I have to bug him every 5 minutes going, "I, I need you to sign this again and and again because the lender he's the member, he's the seller because the lender is incompetent. And, and I'm like, I know, I understand that some processor somewhere that's probably eating bonbons on their couch, working at home, but it's still a reflection on the company. And that's why I say lender. So work with a mortgage broker, somebody that know that has, make sure that you know somebody who has worked with them more than once and has gone all the way through clear to close with them. Not because you know, the guy from BNI, because we all know BNI, Let's just say they're not the greatest referrals in the world. At least that's been my experience. Um, so make sure that, hey, have you gotten a mortgage with this company? If the answer is no, well, I'd say next. All right, keep that in mind. And one of the last things, and we could go on for days on this, but I'm going to keep this episode short since we're trying out this new technology to see how it works is let the broker control your deal. That'll work. Um, <laughs> I talked about it a few weeks ago. I just briefly mentioned it. Got this knucklehead at another market who's like, yeah, we only bring offers if they're asking price or higher. This is a buyer's agent saying this to a client. Yeah, I only write offers if they're asking price or higher. What? Your job, your fiduciary responsibility is to present all offers. Okay, so if I want to write an offer for a nickel, you damn sure better take your ass over there and, and submit it. Now, that's a stretch. I wouldn't recommend doing that. But I'm not. you're not putting an offer in for me at, at ask because I'm not willing to pay ass because the property's a turd. And it needs a bunch of work and the tenants are dirtbags and we got to release the place. We got to renovate the place. We had a listing agent tell us the other day. Mike and I were out in the field, and this guy, this thing was a freaking dump. I mean, hair on fire. Just, you need to just wipe this bad boy off the map. It was nasty, and we won't even get into how it smelled. And the guy's like, "Well, the seller's not interested in entertaining any offers that are not above list." Well, the seller's going to be very alone for a very long time because they won't be at the closing table anytime soon. That I can tell you. Now, I'd like to say to them, "Well." uh, you know, enjoy yourself sitting alone at the uh, the closing table, enjoy poverty or any one of the different things I'd like to say to be a smart ass, but that's not going to help me get anything. Here's the deal. The guy's a property manager in a market that I want to invest in. So I want to stay on his good side. I'm not going to be a dick and show him that I'm an asshole, even though I am, I'm going to keep that to myself, but I'm going to think it. it's okay to think it. You just can't tell people that. And I'm going to see what else he has. Like, you know what? I'm, this is a great property for the right buyer and I'm just not the right buyer. And I appreciate you taking the time to come out and show me today. I'm not going to put it in an offer. Guys like what? Not gonna put an offer. I'm like, I don't want insult to the, insult the seller. I'll say that guys, because sometimes I was like, Oh, you want to insult them? Yes, I will. No, you won't. Okay. Well, how about a hundred grand? And they'll be like, Oh geez, Rob. Yeah. You said you couldn't be insulted. Just kidding. Um. So I will say things like that to let them down easy. Yeah, this just isn't the property for me. I don't want to burn bridges in the market. You can't do that if you're going to be in this real estate space for any length of time. Maybe this property manager will want to bring him on at some point. Maybe he'll help us transition a property at some time down the road. Who knows? Maybe he'll refer us to somebody. Maybe we'll meet a great contractor from this guy. Guys, I've gotten some of the best referrals on the planet from some of the most incompetent operators on the planet. True. I've met with terrible attorneys that give great referrals. I've met with uh, terrible title companies that give great referrals. Take it for what you will. Take it take it for what it means to you. But when you're out there, you get a lot more done if you make friends and try not to make, make any enemies. So, guys, wrap it up for you this week uh, right there. We're going to leave it right there. And I hope you have a great week, and we'll catch up with you next time. Talk soon, guys.